Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Now, what we're going to see today is a continuation of God's heart for his people. He's going to continue sending out a warning. Something terrible is about to come, and you need to seek out safety or shelter. Right? It just so happens that the only place that you can find safety or shelter spiritually for the spiritual terrible day that is coming on is when you find yourself in Christ. That is your bomb shelter. That is your tornado shelter. That's holding the desk for dear life. You have to be in Christ in order to be saved. Are you following with me? So check this out. Hosea chapter five. Again, we're in this, we're in this midst of judgment, 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 judgment. God's wrath, God's wrath, God's wrath. And sometimes it can become tiresome. But this is what I want you to understand this morning is what we're hearing is God's heart for his people. God has raised up Hosea. And remember the story of Hosea. Here's a man who was called by God to be a prophet. And what God says to Hosea is, I want for you to take a prostitute as a wife so that you understand how my heart aches when the children of Israel stray from their faithfulness to me. And he does this. You know, Hosea, the faith that this man must have had to say, God, if you've called me to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't know if there's many of us in the room today that would like go to the front of the line and volunteer to be in Hosea's shoes. But Hosea does it. And he preaches faithfully the judgment that is going to come. He's saying, this is God's heart. This is how God's heart is broken for you because you continue to walk away from him. So here, Hosea chapter five, let's read the rest of the chapter together. We'll come back and we'll divide this up. Verse eight, Hosea chapter five, verse eight. Blow the horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah. Sound the alarm at Beth-Avon. We follow you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall become a desolation in the day of punishment among the tribes of Israel. I make known what is sure. The princes of Judah have become like those who have moved the landmark, and upon them I will pour out my wrath like water. Verse 11, Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment because he has determined, he's determined he's set upon going after filth. I am like a moth to Ephraim, like dry rot to the house of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king, but he was not able to cure you or heal you, for I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a young lion to those of the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off and no one shall escape. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. Father, we just pray that your word would go forth in power now. It is a scalpel upon our hearts and upon our spirits. Unsheath it and use it. We give you permission in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So verse, let's go back to verse eight. First thing, if you're taking notes here, I want you to see that God graciously gives a warning. God graciously gives us a warning. 
This is what he's doing through Hosea. Over and over and over again, Hosea is going to the leadership of the nation of Israel, the leadership, and he's saying, these are the troubles that God sees with the nation, and these troubles need to be addressed. The sin in the nation needs to be addressed, or else judgment will come. And here it begins here, it says, blow the trumpet, blow the horn, blow the trumpet, sound the alarm. In these days, the nation of Israel, when a trumpet was blown, it was used for different reasons. First off, it was used in preparation for war. If they saw an enemy approaching, do you know what they would do? They would grab the the ram's horn and they would blow the ram's horn as a signal that we need to assemble because something terrible is coming. Right? It was in preparation. Also, they would blow the ram's horn when it was time to charge the enemy in a concerted effort to go and to take new land or to defeat an enemy. They would blow the horn as a rallying cry. Everyone follow me. Let's go. Let's take this land. But the horn was also blown in times of celebration when God was trying to call the people together in unison. God was trying to gather all of his people around because he had a feast that needed to be celebrated. And in some cases, when they wandered through the wilderness, did the children of Israel for those 40 years, in some cases, that horn was blown to assemble the people together so that there could be a word given and that no one would miss the word. God is sounding an alarm for us today. He's gathering the people. He's blowing the trumpet. He's saying to Hosea, literally, you blow the trumpet in all of these places because these people need to assemble together. Something terrible is coming and I have a word to say. And the same trumpet is sounding for you today and God is saying to you, there's something you need to hear. I have a word for you. You need to listen. You need to pay attention to this word. Are you listening this morning? Are your ears open? This is what I'm so fearful of, what I'm fearful of more than anything in this world. And what I feel called to do in what I believe these to be the last days. And that is to prepare the bride for the coming groom. There's a lost world out there. And that lost world is going to die apart from Christ. And many of the lost, they have knowingly rejected the gospel. They have said no to Jesus. What my bigger fear, even than that, I believe some of those people will be saved through tribulation. You know what my greater fear is? My greater fear is that there are people in this room today that call themselves a part of the body of Christ, that consider themselves God's people, just like the Israelites would have, consider themselves safe. But when that last trumpet blows, you won't answer the call you'll be left here. You won't be ready for the groom. That is what scares me more than anything. You need to listen and heed when the trumpet blows. Your ears need to perk up. You need to say, God is trying to speak. God is trying to say something to me. Is your heart ready to receive that this morning? So he says, blow this trumpet, blow this trumpet again. Now, I want you to turn, keep your finger in Hosea chapter five and turn backwards in the Bible, just a few books to Ezekiel chapter 33. And we've seen this before, but I think that this is important to reiterate this morning. And this is what Ezekiel chapter 33 says, beginning in verse one, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and he warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, the sword comes and it takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and he did not take the warning his blood shall surely be upon himself. 
So God's word comes to the prophet Ezekiel, and he says, Ezekiel, if there's a watchman, one whose responsibility is to set upon the city wall and to survey the land to make sure that there is no approach of an enemy, and if that watchman sits there or falls asleep on the job and doesn't see an attack of the enemy and he fails to blow this horn, look at what happens here. Look at the next verse. It says in verse six, but if the watchman sees the sword coming, does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. His blood I will require at who? At the watchman's hand. You see, every single one of us this morning has a trumpet, a ram's horn in our hand. This is a horn right here. This is how God wants to speak right here. And every single one of us has the responsibility to treat this for what it's worth. God's people are perishing for lack of knowledge because people are not sounding the alarm. And because of that, even in the church, even within the church, people within the church are far too comfortable in their sin and the judgment is coming. The terrible day is approaching and there's no one sounding the trumpet. You have the trumpet. This is your responsibility. Just the very fact that you're here this morning means that you have the responsibility to blow this trumpet. I wonder if you've been blowing it. In, in Isaiah chapter six, it's kind of a heartbreaking text. In Isaiah chapter six, the Lord comes to Isaiah and he says, is there anyone who will take my word out to those who need my word? Is there anyone left who will take my word faithfully? Then remember, this is after Isaiah has seen this incredible vision of the glory of God. After a coal has been taken and cleansed his lips, purged his lips so that his lips are clean, that his heart would be pure. And then he says, is there anyone who will take my word? Anyone who will be faithful? Is there anyone who will blow the trumpet? And Isaiah steps forward and no one else steps forward. He steps forward and he says, hear my Lord. Why not me? I wonder if that would be our heart this morning. No one else will faithfully step forward to blow the trumpet. And if we all wait too long, it's going to be too late. The Lord is asking this morning, who will faithfully blow the trumpet? And he's waiting for someone with the heart of Isaiah who will step forward. He says, here, my Lord, why not me? Why not send me? Why not allow me to go and to take that word? See, there's coming a day. And this is what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter five concerning a trumpet. It says this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. There's a trumpet that is coming that will blast, that will gather the true bride together, that will gather the bride of Christ. And in the scripture, this trumpet is referred to as the last trumpet trumpet in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That last trump will sound and God will gather the people together just like in the wilderness and he will take them into the promised land just like Joshua led the children into the promised land. They will be delivered through waters. This day is coming, but are you ready to heed that trumpet? Now, this is a little bit of exciting news for you and as 
a watchman, as someone who's looking at what's happening in the world and trying to read the scriptures and say, how is God telling us what is happening in our culture and in our world today? I want you to take note of this next high watch date for the possible rapture of the church. Let me preface this. I am not setting dates. This is what I'm saying. In my heart of hearts, Every time I see one of the feast days approaching on the Lord's calendar, I believe that God will fulfill one of those feast days with the rapture. So every time one of those approaches, guess what happens in my heart? I start checking my heart. Am I ready? Is my gown pure and white and ready? Am I ready to be in the presence of the Lord? And so the next feast on the calendar is March 16th, 17th, which is next week, Wednesday, Thursday, which is the Feast of Purim. It's not one of the feasts given in Leviticus chapter 23, but it's a Hebrew feast. And guess what this Hebrew feast celebrates? It celebrates the deliverance of God's people from the hand of Haman in the book of Esther, which is Haman is a type of the Antichrist. The whole feast, it happens to commemorate and to celebrate the deliverance of God's people. And so wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if God chose to deliver his church, the bride, Esther was the bride, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if God chose to deliver his people, the church, the bride from this world, from the sway of the Antichrist at the Feast of Purim? Now, what's amazing is when I studied this and I wondered, well, Lord, if there's going to be this feast and if this is going to be fulfilled in the rapture at the Feast of Purim, there has to be a trumpet. Where's the trumpet? And so I researched this. I read this. And the people will sound a trumpet. The Israelites, the Jewish people, even to this day, they sound a trumpet at the Feast of Purim. And in the Feast of Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, they blow this trumpet and it's a sign that everyone needs to repent. Repentance needs to happen, calling the people to repentance. But at Purim, the shofar is blown, the ram's horn is blown, the trumpet is blown, and it's a symbol, it's a sign for all of the people to come and to dance. And if the bride is about to be taken to a bridal party, a seven-day feast, a seven-year celebration, the marriage supper of the Lamb, wouldn't it make sense for the trumpet to be blown to assemble the church, to tell the church it's time to dance and the Lord would take us into his presence? Again, I'm not setting dates. No man knows the day or the hour. I'm not saying that I have more knowledge than Jesus has. The scripture says not even the Son of Man knows. What I am saying is that we have to pay attention to what's happening and our hearts constantly need to be ready. Is your heart ready for that trumpet blast? Sound the horn, blow the trumpet, sound the alarm. There's something terrible that is coming, but if your heart is right, when that alarm sounds, you'll be delivered from what that terrible thing is that approaches and you'll be in the presence of the Lord. You can clap for that. I wonder if there's a watchman in this room this morning that is ready to respond to that call to be a watchman. To say, I'll be the one to sit on the city gates. I'll be the one to take the horn in my hands and to blow that horn as loud and as long and as fast as I can because I want to prepare the people around me for the coming of our King. 
Sound that trumpet. So there's a trumpet that is blown, verse 8. And then verse 9, Ephraim shall become a desolation in the day of judgment among the tribes of Israel. It'll become a desolation. The word means a wasteland. It means something that is horrific. It means a place where nothing can grow, a place of deadness, of decay. When God first created man, do you remember the story? He takes some dust and he breathes into the dust. He breathes his spirit. In the Hebrew, the word is ruach. He breathes his breath, his wind, his spirit into the dust, and man is formed from that dust. God breathed into man life-giving spirit, and man was alive, and man was eternal, and man was just as he was supposed to be. But then the fall comes, and Adam and Eve both partake of a forbidden fruit Because of it, they're cast out of the garden. And in that moment, God had warned. He said, if you touch that fruit, in that day, you shall surely what? Die. Now, did they die? Did breath leave their lungs? No, but what happened? They spiritually died. They became a desolation. They became a dry and barren place. There was a place within them. Their spirit was a place where nothing good could live because of the fall. And here, the Lord is saying, listen, sound the alarm because some people are living like this. They're living devoid of the spirit. There's no spirit of God within them. It's a dry and thirsty place. It is a dead place where nothing can grow. Why? Because that spirit that God had breathed into us is dead. Over and over again throughout the scripture, we see these instances where God is alluding to the fact that in order to be born again, you have to have the spirit of God breathed back into you. In Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel has this vision of this valley of dry bones and it's the children of Israel, right? And all of these bones lying around and God comes to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live once more? And Ezekiel said, Lord, I don't know. Only you know whether or not these bones can live again. And so what does God do? He says, I want you to prophesy to the bones. Begin to preach to the bones. And so Ezekiel preaches to the bones and the bones begin to rattle and the earth shakes and the bones reassemble and flesh and muscle gets put back on and skin gets put back on these bones. And before Ezekiel now is this looks like a living army, but it's still dead. It's an army of dead people standing there at attention. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, he says, now I want you to prophesy. I want you to call out to the wind, to the ruach, to the spirit, to the breath, the wind, the spirit. And so what does Ezekiel do? He calls out to the spirit. And as he calls out to the spirit, to the wind, this mighty rushing wind comes and blows through that valley. And what happens? Those people come back to life and they're living once more. Why? Because the spirit of God, the breath of God entered back in. John chapter three. John chapter three, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, we believe that you must be sent from God because there's no way the works that you're doing can happen unless you were sent from God. And somehow, some way, Jesus changes this tune, changes the conversation. He says, if you wanna see the kingdom of God, if you wanna make it to heaven one day, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can this be possible? How can a grown man enter into his mother's womb once more? And Jesus says, you're thinking on a physical level. I'm speaking to you of the spiritual. You see, that which is born of the flesh is the flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then he says this, he says, you know how the wind works. You look out and you can't see the wind, 
but you can see where the wind has been. In the same sense, that's what it's like for us. You know where the spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God has been when that life has been changed. You must be born again. That spirit of God must come back into you. In the Greek, the word is pneuma, breath, wind, spirit. John chapter 20, after Jesus has been risen from the dead, right before his ascension, he looks out at those who are watching, those who are listening, and those who are waiting, those who are expecting something, and he looks out on them, and the scripture says that he breathed upon them, pneuma, he breathed upon them, and said, receive ye the spirit of God. And the spirit of God entered within them, and they were quickened, they were resurrected. That which was dead from the garden was brought back to life. Acts chapter two, 120 strong gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, waiting for something to happen. And then all of a sudden, as they were gathered together and they were praying and they were in one place of one accord, all of a sudden, there was a mighty rushing wind, pneuma, breath, spirit that came and fire fell down upon the people and the people were swept away. They were filled with what? With the Holy Spirit brought back to life. See, there is just one hope for you today. If you came here this morning feeling like you were that dead, desolate place where nothing good can grow. And many of you might have walked in here today feeling burdened by sin, trapped by your own guilt. Maybe depression has overtaken you and it's even difficult for you to get up in the morning to face the day. You, you bane the thought of having to come before the mirror and look into the mirror and look into your own eyes because of how, how you feel on the inside, that depression, that desolation, that dry place where nothing good grows. But there's a promise for you today that you don't have to leave here like that. Because the same spirit that breathed into those disciples, the same spirit that breathed into those dry bones, the same spirit that came on the day of Pentecost, the same spirit of which Jesus preached to Nicodemus is available for you today and can fill you today and can make you fertile and alive and resurrected once more. This is the promise of the scripture. Jesus was approached by a woman of Samaria and he says, give me something to drink. And she says, you being a Jewish man are asking for me, a Samaritan woman, to give you something to drink. This doesn't happen often. And Jesus says, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you living water. Not only that, but within you, within your soul, within your spirit, there would be this water that would overflow. The spirit would overflow and spill out into those around you. If you would just ask. There's an invitation Jesus gives in John chapter seven. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water because I am the living water. But it's an invitation that you must respond to if your soul, if your spirit is that desolate, dry, thirsty place where nothing good can grow. God does not waste, the Lord does not waste that season of desolation in our lives. And that season of desolation is often there to whet our appetites, to tell us that we need to be thirsting for something more. Look at what it says in Psalm chapter 63. Psalm chapter 63 verse one says, "'Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. 
I'm so thirsty and I recognize this thirst and I understand this thirst and I understand that the only way that this thirst will ever be quenched is when I come to you to have this thirst quenched. The spirit is available for you today. If you are that desolate place where nothing good can grow, you can leave here fertile and resurrected when you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I need you to breathe on me. I need you to pour into me your spirit. He will respond in kind if he sees that kind of faith in your life. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.